0: Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook now. Get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. All right. let me t- invite you to take your Bibles and turn back to the Gospel of John. John 14, verses 1 through 7, is where we're going to spend our time together this morning. John 14, verses 1 through 7, as we continue our study of these I Am statements of Jesus. And just to remind you, I know I've told you this every week we've been in this series, but I just want you to have this in your brain, right? Whenever Jesus says, I Am, it's a reminder of Exodus chapter 3, where Moses stood before a burning bush and he asked God a question, what is your name? And God said, I am who I am. And now here we are in the Gospel of John and every time we hear Jesus say, I am. I am the bread of life. I am uh, the, the true gate. I am the good shepherd. When we hear these statements, Jesus is saying, I'm he. I am God. John 14, 1-7 is worth we spending our time this morning. Go ahead and find that in your Bibles. If you're new to the Bible, John is not hard to find at all. Just go to the New Testament and find the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Fourth gospel in the New Testament, you are there. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay because right before you, in the seat before you, you should find a copy of the Bible. Grab that copy of the Bible and find uh, John's gospel with us. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Begin to read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. John 14, 1-7. So, so a couple weeks ago, uh, I got a phone call from my wife. She she was having a bad morning because uh, she went and did early voting, right? And so that's bad enough when you had to go voting. But but I don't I don't know. I know many of you in this room, uh, you voted early, and and so maybe you had an experience that was similar to my wife's experience. You went and you waited a long time to vote. And so so we live in Berkeley County, and so uh, uh, we had to go to the the um, whatever they call that place, the election office or the voter registration office up in Monk's Corner. And and if you've ever been there, it's, it's not a very big place. It's a, a real small building and uh, they don't usually have thousands of people waiting in line to vote. So it's not a very big parking lot. And so it can get really cramped in there. And so Stacy went and, and and she thought she was doing a good job because she went first thing in the morning. And and just let me tell you, if you know my wife, that's a sacrifice, right? So she got up, she dropped the kids off and she went to, uh, to, to vote at the, the voter registration office. And that's when she got there, even Early in the morning, it was already backed up as far as the eye could see. Uh, the parking lot's really tight, so she got in there and she got her spot and she waited in line I don't know, seven or eight, nine hours and finally voted. And so, 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 so she gets back in her van to, to make her way out. And, and, and she comes out and, and begins to exit the same way that she came in. And, and as she was getting ready to leave uh, uh, to the, the, the voter registration place, there, there was another car that was coming. And, and it was a gentleman and his wife that were in the car. They were coming to vote, obviously. And, and, and it was a—I wasn't there. I can't tell you this, but Stacy can tell, tell the story better than me. It, it was a narrow passage, right? And so, so this gentleman in his car uh, was, was taking up most of the space. And, and so he was a very reluctant Uh, To move over so that my wife could exit, and so my wife, you know, kind of scooted the van up as close as she could, and and as she began to pass by the gentleman, uh, he rolled down his window. So I guess Stacy thought he was just going to say, "Have a nice day," and so, so, so uh, she rolled down her window, and and he did not tell her to have a nice day. Uh, He told my wife that uh, she obviously did not know how to drive, that she was exiting a one-way. Entrance. Well, Stacy did not see any one-way signs anywhere. Uh, There was no not one to be found, and she still says that there was not a one-way sign. I don't know because I don't remember either. But I trust my wife because my wife is always right. Right? I've learned that over twelve years of marriage. So there was no one-way sign, and so so the gentleman was pretty insistent. Like you 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 didn't see it. There's a one-way sign. You're going the wrong way, and said some some things that I, I can't say from the stage. But 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 essentially, he ended up the conversation like this. Well, you must not be able to read because of the color of your hair. Right? He called my wife a dumb blonde. Right? Can you imagine? All because... We've got an attorney right here. Did you get his uh, tag number? Yeah. Well, there there we go. I might get rich out of this yet. Who knows? But but. but any anyway, rate, I mean... But can you imagine just the audacity all because he was convinced that my precious, very intelligent wife, uh, he was convinced that she was going the wrong way. Let me ask you this question, obvious question. Have you ever gone the wrong way before? We all have. In fact, I would say this, that, that in this room this morning, many of us are here because there was a point in our lives, maybe it was last year, maybe it was 50 years ago, where we knew we were going the wrong way. And then a preacher like me or a a friend or a family member explained to you the good news of Jesus and told you that if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you would be going the right way. And so you gave your life to Jesus because you were convinced that Jesus is the right way. But, But then I bet you this happened because it happened for all of us. There came a point, you gave your life to Jesus. You were convinced that he was the right way. Then life started to happen. You're a follower of Jesus, but life's still tough. There are still challenges. And there's probably been days, even as a Christian, where you've asked the question, am I really going the right way? Is this Jesus thing? Is this faith in Christ thing? Is it, is it really the right way? the disciples of Jesus were wondering that very same thing. And right before Jesus died, as the disciples were wondering if they were going the right way, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if we're real honest, that, that statement, man, it, in our culture, especially, it is a controversial statement because it's dogmatic, it's exclusive. Jesus says, I'm it, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But when Jesus made that statement 2,000 years ago, it, it wasn't a statement that Jesus made to try to stir up some controversy. He, he made that statement to give his disciples comfort to give them hope so they would know it's going to be all right. And so for us this morning, I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but maybe you are a follower of Jesus and you've been asking the question, especially in 2020 with all the craziness going on, this Jesus thing, am I really going the right way? And I want to show you three obvious truths from this passage this morning that I think is going to to give us assurance and comfort as we continue on the way that Jesus has for us. So take your Bibles, John fourteen, one through seven. When you find that passage, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reign of God's word together. John fourteen verses one through seven. Listen to what the Bible says. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for time that we have together now to be in your word, uh, to hear your voice as you speak to us through your word. Help us now to listen carefully to what you're saying to us. And Father, for, for those of us in this room this morning who maybe are, are struggling with some doubts or um, misplaced expectations, wherever the case may be, I pray today that we would know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, for that person in this room this morning who maybe has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus, that today that person would know that Jesus, you are the way, that you do lead us to life. So Father, we're listening carefully to your voice now. Help us listen with hearts that desire to obey you, that desire to live by faith and surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So we've walked through these uh, uh, different I am statements of Jesus, and, and we've, we've seen the, the stories that surround these I am statements to, to figure out why exactly Jesus made these particular statements in the way he made them and in the time in which he made them. And this statement, like the others, is, it's an interesting statement. And so, so to give you some of the historical backdrop to this particular statement, just, just consider for a moment what the Bible says in the previous chapter. In John 13, listen to what John 13, 1 says. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And so John in his gospel, he's giving us an indicator in chapter 13. This is it. We're at that time. We're at that time in the story where it's coming to an end. That honestly, it would be, what, less than 24 hours that Jesus would hang on a cross and breathe his last breaths. And you know the story. Jesus takes his disciples into an upper room in Jerusalem. And, and he washes their feet as an example of humility. And then they share a meal together, a Passover meal a meal that they would have shared together every single year for all of their lives because they were good Jewish people. But on this night, it was different because Jesus took bread, broke it, and said, this is my body, eat. And that's just weird. And so the disciples are are trying to figure out what is he talking about? And he takes a cup of wine and he gives it to his disciples and says, this is my blood, drink it. That's weird too, right? And so, so bread, body, cup, blood, I mean, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to them. And, 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 and furthermore, there at the table that night, Jesus says, there's one at this table who's gonna betray me. And just think about it for a moment. It's really getting confusing, especially when you come to chapter 13 and and you look, for example, at verse 33. Look at what John 13, verse 33 says. Jesus speaks to his disciples. and says, children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. I'm leaving you. This is it. It's over. And just imagine... The room, the confusion, going, where are you going? I mean, after all, these disciples, they had given up three years of their lives to follow Jesus. They had left their careers, they left their families, they left their background to to follow this one whom they believed was the Messiah, the one who is going to eventually sit on a throne in Jerusalem and make everything right the one who is going to defeat the Roman Empire and and usher in the kingdom of God and and make Israel a world superpower once again. And now Jesus is saying, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Oh, by the way, that bread you're eating, is my body broken for you? And that wine you're drinking, is my blood poured out for you? I'm gonna die? This doesn't make any sense. And and then you have Jesus getting into a conversation with Peter and you come down and look what, what Peter says in verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you'll follow later. And Peter said, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I'm going with you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, no, I'll tell you what. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be in that room that night? Jesus saying these things that the disciples didn't really understand, that, that, that were confusing, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense that, that he was going to leave and they couldn't go with him. And, and they based their whole lives for the last three years on this expectation that, that he was the Messiah. And now he's not going to sit on a throne in Jerusalem. I mean, this is not how the story's supposed to end. The story's not supposed to end with with a man hanging on a cross. The story is supposed to end with the Messiah on a throne. The confusion, the doubt, and and I know it, and you know it too, that there in that upper room on that night, when Jesus begins to have this conversation and, and tells his disciples what's going to happen, I bet you they're all wondering, did we pick the wrong way? Did we do the wrong thing? I mean, you think about Peter and, and, and Andrew and I mean, leaving behind the, the fishing business and Matthew leaving behind the tax collecting business. And did we do the right thing? He's talking about dying and we must be going the wrong way. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that they're confused. Jesus knows that it doesn't make sense to them Yet. Jesus knows their questions, and so Jesus looks at His disciples, and he says words that you know very well. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If we're not so, I told you. And guess what, guys, I am going. But you know why I'm going? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, do you know what that means? I'm not going to stay gone forever, I'm going to come back for you. It's just a temporary departure. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And so, so Jesus begins to speak words of hope and encouragement into the hearts of these disciples who were so confused in that moment by what was taking place around them because it seemed to them like the wheels were falling off the bus. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't let your heart be troubled. It's going to be all right. I'm doing this for you. And then Thomas, and you know, Thomas, he has this reputation of being the doubting disciple. He speaks up. I mean, Jesus, what, what, what do you mean? Where, where are you going? And, and how can we know the way? If we don't know where you're going, how can we know how to get there? I mean, what are you talking about? You're going away and we're going with you someday. We, we don't know where you're going. Can you just clue us in just a bit, Jesus? And Jesus looked at Thomas. Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in that moment, how that statement must have resonated with the disciples. Because Jesus was affirming them. He was telling them, guys, you have not chosen the wrong way. In fact, I am the way. I'm it. I am the truth. I'm it. I am the life. I'm it. You have not chosen the wrong way. Do not worry, do not doubt, you have chosen the way. And so you've got these three obvious truths. Because if you think about it, this I am statement is really three statements wrapped in one. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so let's just take a moment and break these things down. So Jesus says that Jesus is the way, but, but notice, right, notice what he says again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's interesting, isn't it, that, 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 that Jesus does not say, I am the way to a better life. Now, I believe that if you follow Jesus, it's going to make your life better. But he doesn't say, I'm the way to a better life. He doesn't say, "I'm, I'm the way to, to, to more intellect, to more knowledge, to more revelation." or he, no, he says, "I am the way to what? I am the way to the Father." He doesn't say, "I am the way to, to, to a victory over Rome, a victory over your enemies." He says, "I am the way to the Father." Because here's the reality, and you know this: Jesus is the way because you need a way, a way to who? away to the Father. Because because here's what you know, I don't have to tell you this. Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live, in Ecclesiastes chapter three, as he's writing this this really interesting book, he says in Ecclesiastes chapter three that God has set eternity in our hearts. You see, you instinctively, you intuitively know that there's more to life. You intuitively know there's more to life than, than, than what you experience on a daily basis. You know there's more to life than the the hurt and the suffering and all these things that are going on around us. You instinctively know there's more because God has set eternity in your heart. But not only that, you know what David said in Psalm 19 and and Paul says in Romans 1. They both essentially say, walk outside and and look at the world. Look at the the beauty of the night sky with the moon shining and the stars in the sky. Go and look at the grand canyon or figure Pick your favorite spot. You can go look at the beauty of the world and you can come to the conclusion, it's not here by chance. That there's a God who created all. You instinctively, you instinctively, you intuitively know that there's more to life than this. You instinctively, you intuitively know that there is a God who created all. But the problem for all of us is, even though we know it, even though we instinctively, intuitively know there's more, there must be a God, We don't know how to get to him. He's so far out there somewhere. How do I get to him? I need a way to get to him, right? And and Jesus says, I am the way, right? Jesus is the way because you need a way. You need a way to God, to the Father. And Jesus is the way because there can't be another way. We all know there's a God. How do we get there? And so, so all across this world, for all of history, People have been trying to to find a way to God because we know there's got to be more. There's got to be someone out there who created it all. How do we get there? And so we have all these different religions and worldviews and philosophies that say, if you do it this way, you'll get there. If you do it that way, you'll get there. And I don't know if you know this or not, but this is what's unique about the Christian faith. The Christian faith is the only religious system That is not a works-based system. Did you know that? That that every other religion says the same thing. You got to earn your way there. Got to earn your keep. You got to do good works. You got to make sacrifices. It's on you. It's dependent on you and your ability. And if you do enough good works... If you do enough good stuff, if if you're kind enough, if you love enough, if you treat people right enough, if you go to church enough, if if you do enough, then maybe you'll enter into God's presence. Maybe you'll make a way to God. But then the question becomes an obvious question. How do you know? How do you know if you've done enough good? How do you know if you've done enough good works? How do you know if you've earned your spot in the presence of God? How do you know if you've earned your way to the Father? You can't. And so Jesus is the way because there can't be another way. Right? And then then Jesus is the way because he made the way. He made the way because you could not be good enough. You could not make it on your own. And so Jesus came and did what you could not do. He lived the perfect life. He lived the life that you could not live yourself and then went to a cross and died in your place. The death that you deserved, he suffered the punishment for your sins and then rose again the third day. Proving that he was the God-man who came to rescue you from your sins. Proving that he is the one, the only one that can make a way. Jesus is the way. It's an exclusive statement. It's a dogmatic statement, but it is, it is a true statement that the only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. We moved into our neighborhood um, I don't know six months ago now, and, and, and so this will be our first holiday season in our uh, new home. And so we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, which we'll actually go away for, and Christmas, which we'll actually go away for. But anyway, we'll be in the area over the holiday season. And so, so uh, a, a couple of days ago, I uh, was riding around the neighborhood, and um, I noticed here we are, early part of November, and I counted because I, I had to get an exact count. It's like 15 houses already have their Christmas decorations up. Isn't that good? That means less time to put them up, right? But but here's what I noticed as I as I rode around the neighborhood, I noticed how similar the decorations were. Like it, it looks like every one of the houses is decorated the exact same way, the same style of lights, the same places on the house. I mean, it looks like these 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 um homeowners all got together in a meeting and said, okay, let's figure it out. We'll all go to the store together, we'll chip in, we'll get all the lights, and we'll we'll put them up together, and it's because it looks very uniform in our neighborhood. Like, man, this is really, really weird how strikingly similar all these houses look that, that have been decorated for Christmas. And so riding around, I was thinking about this, and then I saw something. I saw something that caught my eye, and I couldn't believe it. Look at what I saw. Low country night lights. We hang Christmas lights have you ever heard of such? And so I was curious. And so I got on their website and I don't know, for $6.5 million, they'll come out to your house and they will install your lights. But no, 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 n- n- They won't install your lights. They'll install their lights. They bring it all. They, they bring the lights, they bring the crew, they bring the equipment, and in a couple hours, after you've paid them tons of money, your house is decorated for Christmas. And so I began to notice that all these houses that had their houses decorated, they had this sign in their yard. Do you know what that is? It's cheating. <laughs> That's not how we do Christmas. Right? I mean, half the fun of Christmas is getting on your roof and half breaking your neck trying to get the lights up, right? It's cheating. It's not good. But but, but here's the way our culture works, right? You know why they chose to pay the company, because one, they had the money that I don't have, but two, they chose to pay the company because they wanted what? They wanted options, an easier way. Let me pick my way. Let me choose how I want it done. And if you think about it, that, that's just kind of the culture we live in, that we are a people who want options. Give me the options. What do I have to do, right? How do I make my life easy? Give me the options. But when it comes to the Christian faith, they ain't a lot of options. Jesus says, listen, if you want To come into the presence of the Father, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am the way. I'm the one who's doing it for you. There aren't other options. I am it. I am the option. You want a relationship with God. You want your heart restored. You want eternity. I am the way. And you can believe this because Jesus goes on to say what? Not only am I the way, but I am the truth. Do you understand how radical that statement is in our culture today? I am the truth. Because listen, listen, if Jesus is the truth, you know what that means? I don't get to define truth. And we live in a culture that tells us you define your truth for yourself. You pick your truth. Whatever is true for you, that's good, right? And, and, and we, we as people, we don't have a right to judge other people if they've chosen their truth. And so we have all these different truths that fly around, don't we? You think about it. It could be a philosophical truth or a religious truth. I believe this. I believe that this is the path of God and path to God. And who are you? Who are you to judge me, right? I've, I've chosen my path, and, and this works for me. This is true for me. You have no right to judge me because this is my truth. Or you think, even politically, that there are some of us who believe the world's gonna fall apart if our Party's candidate isn't in office. That's our truth, right? And if you think about it, truth, truth is a standard. It's a standard, right? A standard which we measure our entire lives around. And it's something that we believe in the core of who we are. And, and some of us, even politically, we will say, man, the Republican Party, that's, that's truth. If they're not in power, then it's not going to be right. Or the Democratic Party, that's truth. And if they're not in power, it's not going to be right. Or, or maybe it's a lifestyle thing, right? that I can be who I want to be. Regardless of what God's word says, regardless of what Jesus says, I can live how I want to live. I mean, who are you to judge me if I choose to live this way, if I choose to live that way, if I choose to engage in this kind of behavior or choose to engage in that kind of behavior? After all, it's, it's my truth. And then what's true for you may not be true for me, but what's true for me is true for me. And so it's, it's mine and you have no right to judge me or it even gets into the case of ambition. What's true for me is my life will not be fulfilled unless I have, unless I'm successful, unless I gain. So get out of my way because I've got to pursue my truth and my truth is is self-fulfillment in this life. And so, so we live in a culture, we live in a world where we're constantly being told, you choose what's true for you, you choose your path and you, you go be you. It's not the dumbest advice ever, Right? Because Jesus, Jesus says, no, I am the way, I am the truth. Now now think about it. Think about those those different truths that, that are at the core of who you are. And maybe it's that lifestyle. This is true for me. Don't tell me how to live. This is true for me. Maybe it's that philosophy of life. Don't tell me what to think or what to believe. After all, this is true for me. Who are you to judge me? Here's what I know that philosophy, that lifestyle, that political system, whatever it is that you're saying this is true, you know what it's going to do to you? It's going to take from you. Because that political system that you hold up as truth, they don't care about you. That lifestyle that you hold up as your truth, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to live this way. It's my life. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to take from you. That philosophy of life, they say, oh, this is what I hold to. This is what I believe. This is, this is my truth. It's going to leave you exhausted. Because truth, now watch this. Truth is not an idea. Truth is not a political system. A Truth is not a philosophy. Do you see what Jesus says? When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, he doesn't say, I'm going to point you to the truth. He doesn't say, I'm going to teach you about the truth. He doesn't say, I'm going to show you the truth. No, 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 no. What does Jesus say? He says, I am the truth. Truth is not an idea. Truth is not a philosophy. Truth is not a a lifestyle. Your truth is not your truth, right? The truth is a person. Because here's what I know. And here's what you know as well. That political system that you hold up as truth, it can't forgive you. And it can't give you life. That lifestyle that you hold up as a truth, it can't forgive you. It can't give you life. That that worldview that's anti-scripture that you hold up as your truth, it can't forgive you. It will not love you, and it will not give you life. But Jesus says, "Listen, truth is me. I'm the standard. I'm the standard." in which you measure everything else, I'm what's right. And I'm not an idea. I'm not a philosophy. I'm not a political system. I am a person who can love you. I'm a person who can forgive you. And so listen, I don't get to define truth because truth is subtle. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now watch this. I don't get to define it. All I can do is respond to it. And so the question for you is how have you responded to the truth that's revealed in Scripture? The truth of Jesus Christ, the person. You don't get to define truth. If God is God, which he is, he is the one who defines truth. He is the one who in his very essence is truth. All you can do is respond to it. It's not your truth, it's his truth. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth Jesus is the life. Years ago, Stacy and I, when we moved to North Augusta, we had um, a, a, a builder in our home he wanted us to live in his new development. And so we, we uh, purchased a lot in his new neighborhood and we began the process of building. I might have told you some of this story before. We began the process of building a home in his, in his new neighborhood. And so I can remember we got on the internet and we started going to all these house sites to pick out um, you know a, a floor plan. And, and so we found the floor plan we like. In fact, I brought it with me this morning. You can see it right here. I'm not gonna show you the whole thing because that would bore you to tears, but I brought the floor plan. We bought this like $600, for these pictures on the paper. But anyway, $600. We, we, we bought on the internet and they sent us, I don't know, four or five copies of this bad boy. And, and when we got it, we got to keep one. And we gave one to uh, our builder and where the others went, I have no idea. But we got this, this, this blueprint. And so I can remember, we sat down with our builder over the, 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 the dining room table. We walked through this blueprint and we talked about where things would go and what it would look like and all those kinds of things. And, and then uh, they laid the foundation of the house. And it was interesting because we would go out and we would, we would see the men out there working. And, and, and if you would walk around and you would uh, walk on the lot you would see where the blueprint. Like they had copies of it laying around when they put the foundation out and they began to put the studs up for the house. And, and then every couple weeks or, or so, we would go back to the house which we were building and, and the builder would meet us there. We'd walk around, we would check things out. And as we walked around and checked things out, he always had the blueprint in his hand. We were never far away from the blueprint. And, 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 and so, so when the house was finally built, we looked at the blueprint, we looked at the house, it worked. They followed the blueprint, they, they, I don't know what it all says in there, a lot of it's Greek to me, but they did what it said, and at the end of four or five months, because they followed the blueprint, we had a house. A house that we lived in for seven years, and then we came here, and we don't have that house anymore, right? Maybe you've heard this before. It's acronym, Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. A blueprint. And let's just be honest. For for many of us, that's how we view Christianity. A blueprint. That if I follow these rules, if I I follow the blueprint, then life's going to be good. It's going to all work out. And so what happens, now watch this, come in close. I I want you to hear what I'm saying. What happens is you come to a church like this on Sunday morning. You go to a small small group or a discipleship group and, and you want to understand the blueprint. What do I gotta do? What do I gotta do? What does God say about marriage? So I can know how to have a successful marriage. What does God say about money? So I can have success in my finances. What does God say about parenting? Because, because Lord knows I need some help there. What does it say about that? So I can have successful kids, right? And so, so give me the blueprint, lay it out for me. What is it that I have to do so that now watch this, so that I can ultimately have a successful life. After all, Isn't that what God owes me? Isn't that what God is supposed to give me? If I follow the blueprint, I mean, isn't that the plan? If I follow the plan, if I follow the blueprint, then don't I get a successful, fulfilling, rich, and rewarding life? Just give me the blueprint. But there's a problem. Sometimes, and you know this, sometimes you can follow the instructions. Sometimes you can do what you think are all the right things, and life not turn out so well. You can put all of the scriptural principles into play and still life happens. Financially it doesn't work out like you thought it would. You can put all the scriptural things in play and still sin happens. Brokenness happens. You see, I I think for many of us now, I I want you to understand, it's good to follow the Bible, right? I'm not saying that at all. Please follow scripture. But our perspective oftentimes is, if I follow the scripture, then then I must have success from a worldly perspective. If I do the right things, then God owes me. And, And here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, follow me and I will give you a blueprint for life. That's not it. What Jesus says in John 14, 6 is not, I will give you a blueprint for life. Jesus says what? I am the life. I'm it. Life is not about your success. Life is not about you following some kind of plan or some kind of order, and then it's gonna work out for you and everything's gonna be good and you're never gonna have any problems. You're gonna be successful in all areas of life. That's not it. What Jesus is saying is, no, no, forget the blueprint. Just follow me. Follow me and do what I tell you to do simply because I am the life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is I am the reason for life. I am it. Take your eyes off of your success. Take your eyes off of what you want out of life. Take your eyes off of your plan for life and put your eyes on me because I am life. You're going to find life not in your blueprint. You're going to find life not in your plans. You're going to find life in me, in knowing me, in loving me, in a relationship with me because here's what's going to happen. Life is going to be hard. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be difficulties. But here's the comfort. If your faith is in Christ, if he is your life, you will be able to withstand any hardship because your faith isn't in a blueprint. It's in the master who gave his life for you, who died in your place and rose again for you so that you could have real life real life, a life with him forever. You see? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I don't point to life. Right? I don't show you where to find life. No, no. I'm it. I'm it. And so for me, and this is probably true for you too, knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There there are really three things I've got to keep coming back to daily. One, daily I have to keep remembering. Because this world is constantly telling me that Jesus is not the way and not the truth and not the life. So I need to daily come back to this reality. So, So this is why we talk so much about things like being in the Scripture and being in a discipleship group and a small group and in a faith family because I need the constant reminder that, that, that it's Him, that He is where it's at. So I've got us to engage in that daily walk with the Lord so I can be constantly reminded that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and find comfort in that. 2 I've got to rejoice because listen, listen, if what we believe is true, if Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, do you know what you have? You have. You have listen, church, come here, come here, you have the way, the truth and the life it belongs to you. You know it. You know where the truth is. You know where the life is. You, you know the way. Don't settle for anything else when you've got the real thing. Rejoice. We have hope. We have life. We have joy because we've discovered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And I rest. Because life is going to stink sometimes. Jesus doesn't guarantee me a successful life on this earth, instead, he guarantees me something far better. (laughs) Listen, he guarantees me himself. I get every day, maybe not everything I want, right? Like somebody come in and do my Christmas decorations for me. But what I get every day is far better. I get the presence of Christ. Do you hear me? Every single day of your life as a follower of Jesus, you get the presence of Christ with you, in you, living through you. Rest in that. If the presence of Christ is with you, what do you have to fear? If the presence of Christ is in you, how can you not walk by faith? If the presence of Christ is in you, who or what can defeat you? I've got far more than a blueprint. I've got him. I've got Jesus. So rest. 2020 stinks. But it's going to be okay. Okay because not for one second in 2020 has the presence of Christ ceased to be with me, nor has it been for you. And so let spend our time together. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you have not yet given your life to Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I just want you to know that he's it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've never placed your faith in him, today would be a great day to do so by believing that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you, taking the punishment for your sins that you deserve, and then rose again the third day, proving that he was God in the flesh who came to make a way for you to have a relationship with the Father. And this morning, if you'll believe, if you'll turn from your sins and give your life to him, you can have life abundant and eternal. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song of imitation, and in the corners of this room are two crosses. There'll be somebody at both of those crosses who's ready to talk with you, pray with you, and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. So as we sing, just make your way to that cross. If you feel like today is the day that you need, to give your life to Jesus. Let today be your day of salvation. And for the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, maybe you've been wondering, especially in 2020, am I going the wrong way? Hey, listen, you're not. We have found the way in Jesus. Now, let's live out our faith in a way that brings him honor and glory. Let's show the world that there is a way in his name as Jesus. And maybe during this time of invitation, as a follower of Jesus, you just want to come down and pray for God to help you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is your way, your truth, and your life. Maybe you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of taking your eyes off of him. I don't know how God is leading you in these moments, but you respond to him as he leads you now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time and your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. For that person in this room who's never placed his faith or her faith in Jesus, I pray that person will come, trusting you as Lord this morning. And for those of us who belong to you, who are your followers, Father, help us take comfort in the reality that you are it. Jesus, you are our way. You are the truth. You are life for us. Father, help us. To walk by faith and surrender. And help us to share with the world that there is a way, a way of hope and peace and life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Rise to your feet as a time invitation together. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you.